0: Good morning. <laughs> Great to see you all here again with us this morning. Um, started snowing again this morning. What's that about? <laughs> I've got my summer clothes out, well, spring clothes out and everything, and this morning started snowing. That's crazy. <laughs> so this week, we're in our third week um, of our everyday series, and this morning I get to speak on transformation It's amazing. I can't wait. And we've already had Dan, who spoke on the Holy Spirit. That was the first week. And then last week, we had Laura, who spoke on community. And then she had the the piece of turf. And this week, as you can see, I get the mirror. (laughs) And those of you that know me, you may instinctively know that the mirror might have been for me. You see, it's often said that I spend most of my time in front of the mirror. And to be fair, with a face like this, why wouldn't I? (laughs) I do spend uh, a lot of time in front of the mirror, but that's only because of this beard. You have no idea how long it takes to get straight. (laughs) Today, the mirror is taking centre stage, as Luke said, because we got the baptisms um, at our next service. We've got six people getting baptised, and we needed to fit them on stage. Yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it? The, the, the items, are, they'll, be, they'll be back next week. But for me, uh, in all seriousness here, the, the mirror really works when we speak about transformation. You see, I don't know if you're like me, and it may be uh, because of where I am in my life. At the moment, when I look in the mirror, I'm like, when did that happen? Just a moment ago, I was youthful. I was, I was young. <laughs> now there's bags. There's wrinkles appearing everywhere. I'm noticing a new grey hair every day. And not just in my hair, <laughs> in my beard. And then there's the extra hair that's suddenly starting to appear. What's that about? Guys, nose and ears. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you see, when we look in the mirror... Our appearance is transforming before our eyes. You can't help but notice the changes. And what I want to talk about this morning is not so much about our outward one, but our inward one. And do we notice those changes? And like I said, I think we can use the mirror for that. You see, the Bible says we're supposed to reflect the likeness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says... And we, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. We'll revisit that scripture a little bit later. But for now, if I was to ask you when you look in the mirror, do you like what you see? I'm judging you'd say no. But what would you say? Most of you straight away here might think of a feature But if you can look past that, if we can look with our spiritual eyes, are we aware? Do we notice the changing that's happened inside of us? Are we aware of the transforming work of Christ in us? Are we continually being changed? And are we allowing that to happen? If you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 9. And we're using the book of Acts as our inspiration as we go through this everyday series. I'll be jumping around some um, other parts of the Bible too. But for now, we're in Acts chapter 9, if you can turn there. And you may know this story well. You see, it's here we hear of Saul's conversion. <laughs> some background information first, which may help set the scene. We first hear of Saul in Acts chapter 7. You see, he was present at the stoning of Stephen. You see, he was a Pharisee. He was part of the same crowd that Jesus rebuked. And ultimately, the, the ones that were responsible for Jesus' death. He was a very intellectual man. He had been trained by the best of the best. And he was deeply religious. You see, he loved God with all that he was. And because, and because of this fact, he hated Christians. He wanted to single-handedly destroy the Christian faith because he thought it was dangerous to his religion. And he thought that it was damaging and insulting to God. In chapter 8, we read that Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house, dragging both men and women to throw them into prison. So you get the picture. Saul was zealous for God, something the other Pharisees uh, had lacked he wasn't a nice person. He was probably the one you wouldn't want to share your faith with. And I'll address the name change here too. Saul was also known as Paul. See, Saul was his Hebrew name. And we see that in context context, when he's um, being talked about as a Pharisee. It's to show that he's a Jew. Then it's Paul, uh, which is his name in Greek. um, And this is used uh, as he goes and spreads the gospel throughout um, to the Gentiles, as he extensively travels and, and he writes most of the New Testament. You see, that's a name that they'd relate to, they'd be comfortable with. Uh, and I do this all the time when I travel. <laughs> you see, I was born here in Wordsley, which makes me English. I'm admitting here I'm from the Black Country. <laughs> But I moved to Wales um, when I was eight, Um, and I lived there the majority of my life, so I consider um, myself to be Welsh too, and you may hear that a little bit in my accent. And whenever I go abroad, um, I say that I'm Welsh, as you know how everyone hates the English. (laughs) (laughs) And it works for me. It, it, It especially works as my parents' family Uh, My wife's, sorry, my wife's parents, who are Scottish and Irish, (laughs) it particularly works then being Welsh, because we know they don't like the English either. (laughs) So we're here. It brings us up to Acts chapter 9, uh, and I'm starting at verse 1. It says this, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, He went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he may take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Hmm. So Saul. Saul's still in Jerusalem at this time. Uh, And the Christians, the followers of the way, as they were first called, had scattered in fear of their lives. The Bible tells us that Saul had murderous thoughts. He wanted to kill these guys. And he was prepared to travel to do that. He wanted to hunt them down. You see, Damascus, where Saul intended to go, was over 150 miles away. And that and then it's here we get to know the heart of Saul. He wants to hunt them down. He wants to kill them. He wants to bring them back again and throw them in prison. But it's also here that we get to know that an encounter with Jesus changes everything. So Saul... And if it's okay from here, I'll refer to him as Paul from this point. Paul has an incredible conversion experience. A light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. He literally sees Jesus before him. And I don't think there could be anything more powerful. I'm not sure if you've had a camera flash or a phone flash go off in your face. Time's that by about a thousand, <laughs> and you might get the picture there of what happened. But I want to say here, it's not just the conversion experience that changes him. You see, it's the transformation experience that Paul goes through that really does. You see, it's conversion that brings us to Christ, but it's transformation that helps us become like Christ. And that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? <laughs> Paul's encounter with Jesus, it changes everything. But the Pharisees, the Pharisees before Paul had missed it. They saw Jesus. They had an encounter with Jesus, but nothing changes in them. The story is in John chapter 8, and you may know it well. It's the story of the adulterous woman. You see, the Pharisees catch this woman in the act of adultery, And they drag her before Jesus. Their plans there are to kill her and to catch Jesus out at the same time. They throw this woman at Jesus' feet and they inform him of the law of Moses, which was to stone to death anyone caught in that act. (laughs) Then they ask Jesus. They challenge him. Jesus, what do you say? What would you do? Knowing that if he went against the law of Moses, everyone would rebuke him. And that if he did say stone the woman, he would have been arrested by the Romans as as only they had the power to pass a death sentence. (laughs) What happens next is huge. And I want you to catch this. You see, it's their encounter moment with Jesus, but they miss it. Jesus says, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And at that moment, right there, right then, they're convicted of their own sin. And it's only the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. And at that moment, they realize something. They're convicted. The Holy Spirit is at work. But they choose to ignore it. The Bible says that they leave one by one, having missed the greatest opportunity of transformation and what really strikes me about this and this was my revelation moment it wasn't only the pharisees that left the bible tells us that everyone did you see there was a huge crowd that jesus was talking to the beginning of chapter 8 tells us that before the pharisees had shown up and then it goes on to say that everyone left you see at the end of chapter 8 it says it's just jesus And the woman alone. No one else is around. It's just the two of them. Guys, this is important because what this shows me is that we can miss it too. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss it. The woman that day got it. But she was the only one. She had an encounter moment with Jesus and it transformed her life. You see, all her life, she'd been condemned. She'd lived in guilt. But that day, she had an encounter with Jesus. She had an encounter with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus, the Savior of the world. And he tells her face to face, I don't condemn you. He's just saved this woman's life. And then he tells her to go and leave her life of sin. Guys, this is transformation. It's transformation, a life that's turned around because of an encounter with Jesus. Let's not miss it. You see, when we have an encounter with Jesus, it has to change everything. We have to be changed as a result. We have to allow that transformation process to work You see, it's Christ in us, working through us, that ultimately changes us. Transformation is not always easy. You see, we often want a transformed life without the process of transformation. (laughs) There's some stuff that we have to work through. That's our responsibility. And there's some stuff we have to let the Holy Spirit do. And only the Holy Spirit can do. But Paul got this. And he wanted everyone who he came into contact with to get it to. It's why he writes the majority of the New Testament. And I started with a verse, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And it's widely used when speaking on transformation. And the other is in Romans 12 uh, and verse 2. And it says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing will. Here, Paul is telling us to be transformed. And that's our responsibility. You see, he tells us how. And firstly, it's by what not to do. The verse starts that way. Uh, Do not conform. It says, do not join in. Do not copy behavior. Do not be like the rest of the world, but be transformed. (laughs) Be different. Be the change you want to see in the world. Firstly, by not joining in with it. And then, by the renewing of your mind. So guys, we do things different, and then we have to think different. And this is down to us. And it's going to take some effort. But I want to encourage you here that it's possible. The Bible says that all things are possible. (laughs) And the more we do it, the better we'll be at it. And what if every day we committed to give God the areas we need transformation in? And then what if every day we took the opportunity to renew our mind? You see, in my life... There are many areas where I still need transformation. (laughs) I can be cynical. I'm often quick to say the wrong thing. I often do things in my own strength when God is telling me to wait for his. But this doesn't mean that I ever stop trying. Because I have experienced total transformation in so many other areas of my life. And some have been far bigger than I struggle with now. So this encourages me. It gives me hope for the everyday to be transformed. I've got a story here that I want to share with you. Uh, and in my role here, I'm, I'm so blessed that I get to spend time with people who are searching, who are really looking for transformation. And then with new Christians and witnessing firsthand uh, the transformation that's taking place in with them. It's, uh, it's awesome. I'd, I'd do it for nothing, but... Leon's away, so don't tell him that. <laughs> I also get to work with people who have serious um, addictions. That's my heart, uh, and that's my passion, because it's an area that I've received total transformation in. And often, I, I get to share some of the stories um, that, that that I've had um, and witnessed. Um, and then uh, I have it's, I have a privilege. I have the privilege of praying um, with them. But but a lot of the time, it's just being there it's standing with them, it's listening, it's showing love, and then sometimes showing that transformation in me. (laughs) Anyway, there was was this one time I I got to pray for a guy after uh, an amazing conversation. I'd had a chat with him, and he asked me to pray. (laughs) So I prayed. We prayed for a bit. Uh, And after, I don't think I've ever known so much gratitude. The guy thanked me. This is what he said. Bleeping hell, that was powerful. <laughs> I won't mention the swear word then. And then he said, oh, I'm really sorry, that's offensive. I shouldn't have said the word hell. <laughs> I tried not to laugh and then informed him it was possibly the other word <laughs> that he shouldn't have said. <laughs> so as we can see here, transformation is a process <laughs> and as well as it being a process guys it can also be messy it's also messy and are we prepared for that you see at the same time as we're being transformed we're called to help others uh, in that process too <laughs> And if you don't believe me look in the bible it's called discipleship this is where comfy goes out the window and it's time to roll our sleeves up <laughs> I get the opportunity, like I said, to spend a lot of time with guys. And as they first come in, they're raw. (laughs) Their language is bad. (laughs) But you've got to look past that. You know, if we can't, that's our responsibility. And they could be missing out. I I don't want anyone to miss out. And actually, right here, and you've heard this before um, and seen it before, it's not unique to me but it's an opportunity to get the flip chart out. And I've always wanted to do this. (laughs) We often want people to come this way. We often think that people um, should behave. Then if they get that right, it's an opportunity then that they can come to Jesus and they believe. And then as a result of that, they belong. And often it's the guys outside as I'm sitting with them. They have that same belief too. They say to me, Simon, I'm, I'm not ready to come to church yet. I've got a lot of things that I need to deal with. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> you need to be in church right now. You see, it's not the behavior. Firstly, they need to belong. They need to know that they're loved. They need to know that this is a place where we can embrace what they're doing and allow that transformation to happen. And then because of them belonging, it is often that they believe. And then eventually they may behave. But this one, even if it takes ages, even if it takes a while, who cares? But transformation will only happen, I believe, if it starts that way up. It's from the bottom. People have to belong. People have to know that they're embraced. People have to know that they're loved. And sometimes that can spur them on in that transformation period. You see, what I've noticed is this. People are desperate for change. And it should be here. The Church of Jesus that they receive that, that they get that change, but it often isn't, and that's because of our attitudes, guys, and we need to get that right, it needs to start from the bottom up, and as I come to a close, (laughs) I want to finish strong, and that's because we've been transformed, we're to be transformed, that's for us to take hold of, and then we're being transformed, you see, the moment you receive Christ, you are transformed. The Bible says that. It says that you're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. If that's not transformation, then I don't know what is. The moment you receive Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. At that moment, the Holy Spirit is alive and active in you. It's transformation. But then... The Bible says um, that we're to be transformed. (laughs) That's Romans 12 and verse 2. And that's something that we have to do. You see, there's a change in us in order to change those around us. That's whoever we come into contact with. You see, we have this amazing message of good news. It's within us of hope for a broken planet. <laughs> we're transformed for a reason. We're transformed to pass it on. You see, we're not on a secret mission here. We're part of the great Commission. We're called to go. We're called to share our faith. We're transformed to be transmitters. <laughs> this guys is supposed to flow through us. It's supposed to flow through us. And it starts with where you're at with the transformation that's happened in your life. Guys, share it. No one can argue with it. It's your story, your unique story of what God has done in your life. And it may not be like Paul's here, but I want to tell you that it's as equally important. You see, God has no favourites. God has no favourites. We're all his favourites. How amazing is that? We're all his favourites. There's no special ones. He loves us all equally. And it may start with a small step. And I want to encourage you, if you've not taken that small step, take the small step. Share your faith. Share what God's done in your life. And then it may be a series of steps. And I want to encourage you here. small step. A series of steps. That's great. But the Bible... And Paul especially he tells me he tells us actually to run to run the race you see this is far too important not to give it your everything and to give it your best so could more of us here could more of us be running with it and then could more of us encourage others to run too? you can take small steps for a long time and you can stay in that place And that's great. I'm not knocking that. But Paul tells us to run. We should run this race. And I want to encourage most of you, all of you here actually, to to run. To run. (laughs) You know, um, we have to call greatness out of each other. We have to do that. The Bible tells us to do that. To encourage, to spur people on. (laughs) And that's to get to the finish line. Paul says that too. And then we get to the finish line, we'll win the race. Uh, And the prize is a crown. The prize is the crown of life. (laughs) It's an eternity with Jesus. See, but here on earth, we have to call it out of each other. We have to encourage people on in this journey. I want to tell you how we do this. And again, this is not unique to me. I, I heard it um, at our conference we were at a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it was Gordon MacDonald, the great Gordon MacDonald. MacDonald you know him? He's the writer of The Resilience Life. Fantastic guy, fantastic author. He says this, we have to continually call it out of each other. And how we do that is we take that crown and we lift it two feet above people's heads. We lift it two feet two feet above people's heads so that they can grow into it <laughs> so that they can grow into it you see we have to keep calling greatness out of each other it's the only way we're going to finish the race strong I started with the verse in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 and if the band um, would like to come back and play that would be great I started with a verse and I want to finish it. And then I also want us to come back to the mirror. (laughs) Two Corinthians three, verse eighteen. It says this. I want to read it again. And we who have unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. This is incredible. We're to reflect the Lord's glory with unveiled faces. When Moses had an encounter with God in the Old Testament, you may know the story. When he comes back amongst his people, the veil's on. He has to cover his face. But guys, we we don't have to do that anymore. (laughs) The veil is off. It's been removed. And we're called to shine. We're called to shine it tells us that in Matthew. And then we're all being transformed into the likeness of Christ. We're going from glory to glory. How amazing is that? So when we come back to the mirror, when we come back to the mirror, what do you see? What do you see as you're looking at it? Are you notice? Are you noticing the transformation that's happening inside of you? And actually, do you like what you see? And I'm not talking about a vainness here, which I do have. (laughs) I'm actually told, and the Bible tells me this, that we are to like what we see. It says that we're to reflect the likeness of Christ. We're supposed to enjoy what we see. Again, the two greatest commands are love the Lord your God with everything, all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is to love yourself, to love yourself as your neighbor. So if you don't love yourself, how can you love your neighbor? And I'm not, again, talking about a selfish thing, a prideful thing. You've got, it starts with you. You've got to like who you are and what God has already done in your life and continues to do in your life so that you can affect others. So you can bring that transformation to others. And it's my prayer that something has changed here. <laughs> and it should do because the Bible says that we're to like and reflect Christ's glory. We're, to be tra- we're being transformed into the likeness of Christ. See, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. How awesome is that? And our everyday challenge is this. (laughs) It's coming back to the mirror. And I want you every day, as you look in the mirror, and hopefully you will do that as you go out, before you leave your house. I'm not sure if many of you have done that this morning. (laughs) That when you look in the mirror, this is important actually, you thank God for the transformation that's taken place in you. You're comfortable with who you are. And then you seek God for the transformation that you still want to see in your life. So as you come to the mirror, you thank God for the transformation that's taken place in you. And then you seek God for the transformation that you still want to see in your life. And every day, (laughs) it starts with today. And this is your opportunity to respond if you've been transformed if you've got something to thank God for and as Luke you can just play there that'd be fantastic if you've got something that you want to thank God for I, I want you to stand I want you to stand and thank God for the transformation that's happened in you receive Jesus everyone should be standing here (laughs) because that transformation has taken place and right now I'm going to pray in a little while but this is your moment I want you to think of your first encounter moment with Jesus and the transformation that happened there and I want you to thank him for it I want you to spend a moment doing that, to reflect in, just to reflect and to thank Only because of that encounter moment that most of us are here today. (laughs) Because of that transformation that has taken place. The Bible says that you are transformed the moment that you receive Christ. And we're to thank God for that. We're to thank God just as the adulterous woman. He saved our lives. We've got everything. To be thankful for. But then we're to continue to seek transformation. We're not perfect. (laughs) I'm not by any stretch of the imagination. But I want to keep moving on in that transformation process. I want to keep seeking God to transform my life. And right now, as well, this is an opportunity for you to pray, for you to come to God. And seek that transformation. What are the areas you want to see transformation in? What stuff do you need changing? This is your moment to put that before God. To seek him. To ask him. And then I'll come back and I'll pray. But seek God for the areas you want transformation in. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we're here standing before you, thanking you for the transformation in our lives. Thanking you that you've transformed us. Thanking you that we can enter a, a relationship with you because of what you've done. But Father God, we know that we're not there yet. And it's the process of transformation, of being changed from one degree of glory to to another and Father God I pray as these guys uh, and myself are seeking those areas we need transformation in Father that you would break through Lord you'd help me to be less cynical Father you'd help me to wait on your strength Father you'd help me to be more sensitive as I speak to some people and whatever it is these guys want transformation in Father God, I pray that every day they hand it over and they allow you by your Holy Spirit to do that work. Father, and then I pray that we take hold of our mind, that we think of everything of you, that we renew it, Father God. And that's a daily process too. Father, we want to be transformed into your likeness. That's only going to happen if we allow it to happen. So, Father, I pray you'd help us in this area. In Jesus' name, amen.